the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. When you think about mountains and hills in Scripture, they're quite significant right through the entirety of the Bible. For example, you think of Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, or the Mount of Olives, where Jesus taught and prayed there in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he gave up his life for us. Then, of course, there's the Mount of Beatitudes, where Christ ultimately dispatched the disciples into all the world. Yes, indeed, throughout Scripture, hills and mountains have had significance, and undoubtedly to the congregation in Vallejo that attends the hill, that's been a significant part of their life as well. Joining me now is the senior pastor of the hill. He's been there for some 32 years now, Pastor Scott Peterson. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, Craig, thank you, and uh, I certainly count it an honor to be uh, with you and uh, with all of the guests that are listening today, and uh, just uh, thankful for the opportunity. 32 years, a long run at a church, which I understand is uh, celebrating 95 years of ministry here just about at the same time, And, and I'm curious, boy, during that course of three decades, you undoubtedly have not only seen a lot of changes within the church itself, but within the community where you serve. Yes, absolutely. Um, to that point, when we first started uh, back in 1990, it wasn't uh, too many years after that that Mare Island Naval Shipyard closed down. And so that was one of the many uh, transformations of our congregation. Uh, when the shipyard closed down, obviously there were many people in the military who were transferred to other uh, duty stations. And, and then there were just a multiple number of people from the city of Vallejo who had worked on Mare Island who transferred up to Washington or they retired and moved away. Um, but it was quite a challenging time for our church and for the city itself. And, uh, you know, it, it took some time to be able to, to find our, our feet, you know, be able to stand up and, and go. Um, but God's been faithful, you know, that's the thing. Um, and it has been interesting to see uh, how the, the church, you know, that was the beginning when, when Maryland Naval Shipyard closed. It was also uh, a transformation in what I would say the culture of our church. And um, since the oh, mid-1990s, 1994, actually, uh, our church uh, really uh, became a cross-cultural church. We, uh, before that time, did not necessarily uh, reflect the demographic of the city of Vallejo. And, um, you know, I had a, an opportunity at the invitation of um, Bob Harrison to attend a uh, an event, an epic event in Memphis, Tennessee, um, where the uh, some 25 Pentecostal denominations uh, got together and they were deliberately examining racism in the church and the origins of it and looking to uh, find healing for that. And 
God really met us there. Um, there was a, it, it was over a thousand people representing, like I said, 25 different denominations. And it changed my life. Um, um, you can look it up online. It's called the miracle of Memphis. And, uh, it was hosted by the church of God in Christ and Gilbert Patterson. And, uh, <laughs> through several years and several, uh, t- uh, events like that, uh, we became deliberate in wanting to be a reflection of the cultural and demographic of our church. We had, Craig, back in that day, uh, the Hill, of course, we were known as, we could talk about our name changes, too, because we've had several name changes, uh, now known as the Hill of Vallejo, but then Church on the Hill. Um, we had a Christian school, uh, went preschool through uh, junior high. And at that time, and, uh, you know, it was very culturally diverse. It reflected the community. And we said, why, why does our church look so different? And so we became more intentional about, about welcoming and, and being diverse and, and leadership. And, um, gosh, the Lord just blessed that, just blessed that. And, and today our church is just uh, really widely known for its cultural diversity. And if you had to, if I had to say, what is the, what is the, the most rewarding thing and what is the biggest thing that I've seen happen in those 32 years is to really see the Hill Vallejo become a culturally diverse uh, community. And um, it's, it's just something that we celebrate. Um, and when we've had people come, it's just something that it's just, it's a God thing. It is just a God thing. And, and certainly that sense of embracing, uh, you know, Scripture exhorts us to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in, but it doesn't limit or explain who the them ought to look like. And perhaps the church historically has made the error of thinking, well, the them should look like me. It should be a reflection of what I see in the mirror. Exactly. But that isn't a reflection of heaven, is it? I mean, in no. a sense, when you talk about your church being intentionally diversified, that not only is representative of what your community looks like, what the San Francisco Bay region, what California, for that matter, looks like, but maybe more importantly, and perhaps here's the critical object lesson for all of us, it's representative of what heaven looks like. The exactly. notion that it's going to be every single kind of background from every continent, every creature uh, of humankind created in God's very image that will be represented there. And perhaps to the disappointment of a few eavesdropping on our conversation, we're going to find out that there won't be any Baptists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Roman There won't be any distinction in terms right. of denomination. We'll just all be lovers of Jesus, washed in the blood, whose names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Absolutely. And in fact, you've sort of alluded, paraphrased that scripture that has really been the foundation of our our. Uh, our church, and that is in, in the book of Revelation, it does draw that picture very poignantly where it says that there will come a time gathered around the throne, people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And we, 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 we literally took that scripture and we said, well, if that's what eternity is going to look like, and if we're praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, why can't we look like that now? And um, certainly it, it has been... Uh, you know, something we celebrate has been challenging, but boy, it's been good. It's just caused us to, to grow and to uh, really flourish um, as a people group in the city of Vallejo. I equate it to a, a good banquet. We used to enjoy those more so pre-pandemic, <laughs> to be sure. But, you know, when you go to a buffet banquet, 
there's lots of variety there. Some people yeah. are attracted toward the poultry, others toward the fish, others are meat and potato people like myself. But that broad variety, you know, it's difficult. Any cook will tell you to be in the kitchen and it takes different times, different seasonings. Boy, you gotta, you almost have to grow 10 hands in order to keep track of what you're doing if you're going to provide a meal that is broad and diverse and all the flavors. But ask anyone who enjoys food, which is hopefully all of us here listening to this conversation today, the extra work to create that diversity adds flavor. And, you know, where sadly, historically, I think the church sometimes is seeing that diversity as something that distracts. It's too much effort, so why bother? But in reality, I think that diversity actually makes the church stronger, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I I have, uh, you said it, I've said it, we use the word work, and there is some work involved. But I think um, what what we tried to do was to just, be open and just say, you know, literally, Lord, just just have your way. We want to just create space, and if we'll give you the room, would you would you fill it? And and He's done that. And so, of course, when you do that, then God is able to set things up, and He's able to you know arrange for things to happen. And and when it happens, it just it just is a a, a delight. It's just it's wonderful, and it really is a God thing. I don't think that any of us could have imagined or uh, any of us could have orchestrated this on our own. Um, you know, as human beings, we're too fallible. And, and uh, you know, just for something to have a, a culturally diverse church like we have, um, it's just, it's something, like I said, when people come, they go, wow, you know, you don't just don't see this every day. Yeah, the, the, no doubt there's effort that has to go into it, like a lot of things. I mean, even Paul said, you know, you work out your salvation, right? Sure, sure. Uh, but in the end, the effort pays off and i and i think it also makes us not only um a a more mature church better equipping us to be able to not only relate to each other but to be able to be good disciples and 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 share with others our faith be about the master's business Uh, but i think too that sense of diversity helps to 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 broaden our experiences because i can't imagine anybody getting to heaven and saying okay the group that only wants to do acapella sits over here those that want to do it just with a pipe organ sit here right i don't think anybody's going to be worried about such things and we're going to have an eternity together worshiping the Lord. So why not get a little bit of practice in as to what that all might feel like today? Am I right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Our conversation today with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at the Hill Vallejo. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at the Hill Vallejo. Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just prior to the break. Let's talk a bit about what you've seen in terms of uh, changes to the community. And and you mentioned, Pastor Peterson, that in the beginning, the impact of the base closures, and certainly they were significant all across the San Francisco Bay region during the, the Clinton years, a lot of cutbacks and bases that had been here since even pre-World War II, and not only seeing a change in the demographic in many communities, a significant impact economically because all of that military money and and the soldiers and military folks that were here, part of the town spending money, all were suddenly now relocated. So there were impacts in that regard. But then as we look over, certainly if not just the last 30 years, over the last 10 years, we've seen some significant changes. 
both to our nation, to our state, and certainly to the San Francisco Bay Area. We've seen an uptick in street crime, certainly in violence. And I wonder, in terms of the church's response, how can, how should the church be responding to such matters when we when we see uh, the the rampant evidence of what happens when man's heart has not been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the impact, so to speak, of our Adamic nature. It, it talk to us a bit about some of those challenges working in the city of Vallejo. Well, if we go back, so mid-90s, we uh, also began to um, be intentional about our outreach to the community and want to work with the community and um, provide resources and support for uh, for the community. And so we started, and here's the thing, Craig, I think uh, when just in your description, it, that is so big and it's so overwhelming and it's sort of like even now it's kind of like, well, gosh, what can I do? I'm just me. It's just our church. It's just, you know, and there's, like you said, all of the, all of the things that are going on that uh, need to be addressed. And so honestly, we started very, very small. We started our community outreach in a neighborhood uh, and we called it a sidewalk Sunday school. And we just went and we reached out to children and we served hot dogs and we had fun and we had games. And then we started to talk to the neighbors. We began to learn what some of the needs were, we began to address some of those needs. And then as time went on, we went from a neighborhood to a schoolyard and we thought, well, we've got some needs here with kids. What if we could engage with kids? And so we, one year we started a, uh, we did a, uh, a basketball camp. And so from elementary through high school on this uh, outdoor court at uh, Vallejo Junior High School, um, we had an outreach and we brought in, we brought in speakers and just open air meeting and had food and grocery gives, giveaways and, and uh, had social service agencies come and they began to set up their booths and bring resources from the community and just sort of made this an annual focal point for like a resource fair. It really grew into that. So it was something that was based on having fun for children and families. And then as, as we, as at the turn of the turn of the century, doesn't that sound odd? (laughs) Makes us very sound very old. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds so like, wow. But you know, from 2000 and onward, 2005, 2010, we, we started uh, hosting an event called Vallejo Outreach. And for 25 years, we were uh, either on the waterfront or, like I said, on a, in a schoolyard. And, I mean, this thing grew, attracting thousands of people uh, in a day-long event. And it just grew. It was just uh, – it was big, you know, in terms of the, the numbers of people, the numbers of resources. And then it actually turned into a day where – you know, uh, families perhaps couldn't afford to go on vacation. And so we set up an entire carnival. We had uh, inflatable slides and we had all kinds of uh, games and giveaways. And, you know, um, it, it just got to be had a full stage. It just got to be a big deal. It was like a staycation for a lot of families. And and so what we found was we, we got traction in the community and uh, community leaders began to take notice and they began to appreciate what we were doing and saw that we weren't trying to, and here's the thing, we weren't trying to do it. We're not the answer. 
but we can contribute. We can we can contribute to the good that's that's going on and to help address some of these things. And then the other thing that would do is that it would just open up other opportunities. You know, you get people together like that, and they begin to network. They begin to see, okay, well, I can offer this. I bring this to the table, and, and you bring that to the table. How about if we come together and we, we join forces and we, and we really begin to address these needs in a concerted effort? And so that's really what we found to be our part of it, was to try to help bring people together and, and offer not a solution necessarily, but we could, we could offer assistance. You know, what strikes me about what you're describing, Pastor Peterson, is the sense of, of engaging the community. And some listening might think, well, this is out-of-the-box thinking. This is very radical. This is very, you know, uh, you know leading edge. But ironically, a lot of this seems to sound very familiar. I, I think, for example, of both Christ's ministry on earth as well as in the first century church, where going into a town, making your presence felt, assessing some of the needs, addressing many of those felt needs. Now, they took place certainly in very spectacular ways where Jesus came in and he healed the blind man, he raised the dead, he caused the lame to walk. But there was a sense of tenderness in acknowledging the pain, the challenges that the community was going through, and then to turn and then use that platform, having demonstrated what, what real engagement, what real concern and love is, to then turn around and be able to proclaim that not only are we concerned about your physical well-being, your situational well-being, but most importantly and ultimately your spiritual well-being, and then being able to proclaim the good news of this gospel. And so I think in many respects what you're talking about is not anything new at all, not to take any credit away from you, but it really is the kind of outreach that Christ himself, that the first century church modeled, and that frankly I think the churches can and should be doing everywhere today. Right, and I agree with you, and and again, I'm... And I see the uh, journey that we have been on has been something that we have always been uh, willing to adapt to the season that we find ourselves in. And I think that that's what the church needs to be willing to do. And that is, and certainly with the pandemic, all of us have had to pivot. And that word pivot has just kind of been the our word, you know, it's just almost weekly. We're like, well, okay, this is going on. We need to pivot. That's going on. We need to pivot. And we've really had to be spontaneous, uh, like never before, you know, where I think churches notoriously are, are known for committees and planning and, you know, redundancy in that area. But, um, we've really had to be able to just come up and say, okay, we're just going to do this. And, and, uh, with our, with our years of the play of outreach and, and our outreach there, we really saw, though, that the, that, that was a seasonal thing and that it was something that, you know, we could continue to do, but it, it felt like there was a, another shift happening. And so uh, certainly with the pandemic, you know, we couldn't do those events uh, for the last couple of years because people were not allowed to gather either indoor or outdoor in many respects because of the, because of the virus. Um but besides that, you know, the church always needs to look when you use the word cutting edge, we always need to be willing to make a change that nothing becomes a sacred cow, that nothing, you know, we hold on to and say, well, we've always now it's we've always done it this way. 
but that, uh, you know, we're in another, we are in another unique situation and the church has to be able to figure out, okay, given the present circumstances, how are we able to be able to, you know, come out and address the felt needs, address the pain, um, and also present the gospel in a relevant way. And, um, you know, and that's, that's where we find ourselves now in this season. Our conversation today with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at The Hill Vallejo. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at The Hill Vallejo. Pastor Peterson, let's quickly return to some of our discussion just prior to the break. It sounds like a, a Second Timothy 4 environment, right? Be prepared urgently in season and out of season. So no matter what's handed to you, when it's handed to you, just be ready. Yeah. Just be ready to respond and to preach and proclaim and love. And, yeah. you know, essentially that's what you're really talking about, whether you're pivoting or, or you're taking that, you know, you're essentially in that in that two Timothy environment. This really is what God has asked us to be ready to do. I mean, in one sense, this is really, even though the pandemic, for example, feels very unnatural, inordinate, ultimately a lot of this is just everyday Christianity, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think the thing that we've seen now is perhaps, you know, as I described our outreaches and it was on a grand scale and big and which is attractional and it, it's it has a lot of momentum. It's a lot of fun. And, and it's certainly it has has uh, nothing taking away from that. But with the pandemic, it's sort of like that model has been inverted now mm-hmm. and it's more it's more designed to the individual and to the loneliness and to the isolation, and to the feeling of, uh, am I the only one that that is in this uh, state of mind? Or you know, and and I think the church now has been challenged to provide community like never before. Um, that one on one and just addressing people where they are individually, perhaps as never before, and and certainly with the uh, internet. And being able to live stream and with Zoom meetings and all the others, that has certainly helped the church to address uh, this this ongoing need for community and to let people know that they can be heard, that that they are noticed, that they're not invisible, that uh, you know they matter, and just help walk. You know, and we're kind of all in the same boat. We all need to grab a hold of somebody's hand and walk through this thing because none of us have really been here before. Yeah, this is very true. And, and, I, and I'm struck, you know, historically, maybe the important lesson here, too, is for each of us to understand that while we all can't do a big thing, there is something that we can do. I, I never yeah. never forget back in the days of the Art Agnos administration in San Francisco, uh, some, some of the earlier sort of leading-edge spike of homelessness became apparent and folks may recall there was kind of a tent city that was growing up on UN Plaza in front of City Hall and they kind of referred to it as Agnosville and and things of this sort and there were folks that were getting frustrated you know why doesn't somebody do something why doesn't the church do something and this one older elderly woman that belonged to a church in the city uh, took it to the pastor and said we need to be doing something about this homeless problem we need to be engaged at some level and the pastor said oh we don't have enough people we don't have enough resources so it, it was a lot of excuses in response. This woman said, well, if everybody can't do something, then at least someone can do something. Yeah. 
And so her response was she took a portion of her Social Security check once a month. And she went down to the grocery store. She picked up day-old bread at a discount. She got donations from the grocery store of meat that was dried on the cusp of expiring, still good, but reaching the point where they could no longer sell it. She took a little bit of her Social Security money, and once a month she would make 40 or 50 sandwiches in her kitchen at home, put them in large shopping bags, walk down into the Tenderloin, go down into United Nations Plaza, and pass out sandwiches. And a Bible tract was inserted in every little plastic bag with a sandwich. She felt that, that she was doing her thing to not only address the hunger issue, but to also address the spiritual issue. So here's this dear little elderly woman on a fixed income, Social Security, doing something to impact lives for Christ. And after a season, people would say, you come down here every month. I see you faithfully. Why do you do this? And now, once again, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within, this little old woman was single-handedly able to reach dozens of people for Jesus Christ in that fashion. And, and I think that really goes to the heart, Pastor Peterson, of what you're saying, and that is that, you know, COVID has changed so much of the dynamic for so many of us. If we can't do the big thing that we'd like to do, that we used to do, that we'd hope to do, at least we can do something significant because every life that we reach is significant to Christ. Absolutely. And I, I was listening to Erwin McManus of Mosaic Church down in LA, and he was saying, you know, exactly the same thing that, you know, our our, our desire to do the big thing or even, you know, find that big thing that God wants us to do until we find that or until that opportunity presents itself. He says, just do the good that's in front of you. And I just thought, could you make it any plainer? You know, just do the good. What is it right in front of you right now? What good thing can, can you do? And I think that, um, the, the, that opens the door, and here's what I, where I feel we are right now, is that I think it opens the door. See, what every, I think what I need, I think what everyone needs right now is we need peace. You know, we need peace. Peace, this, this, whole, this whole season that we're in has been so disruptive on every level. And uh, I, I just feel like right now where the church can shine is to be able to help people understand that sin causes separation we all have this sense of being separate from one another. Some people feel separation from God. And yet the answer is found in Jesus Christ because he said, you know, the peace that I give you, it's not of this world. This is, this is a peace that, that at the end of the day, you're not going to, you go ahead and look, go, go ahead and look, go, go ahead and search the entire world over. But the peace that I offer to you is going to give you peace with God. It's going to give you peace with uh people around you, and most importantly, perhaps in this season, it is going to give you an inner peace that surpasses your human understanding, because let's face it, we look around now, I do, and I go, I don't get this, I don't, you know, this was not in my my plan, you know, and uh, uh, and yet, now that it, it, it is what it is, God can offer us peace through Jesus, and I think that, you know, um, people are people are so open to that. You know, because they are, they're looking for peace. They're looking for peace everywhere. But understandably, um, you know, they're, they're frustrated and perhaps it works for a time, a season. You know, um, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that, you know, they're reporting that alcohol consumption of the, uh, during this pandemic was just through the roof. And, and people are looking, they're looking for something that is going to just calm them. 
and give them uh, a, just a, a respite from this constant barrage of bad news and and fear-filled uh, statistics and reports. And, and Jesus, you know, always has been, always will be the answer. And, you know, perhaps also, Pastor, the lesson for the church here is, and it's easy, in human nature, we see these things come along that are frightening. Scripture, in fact, in the end times talks about uh, times when there will be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, that men's heart would fail within for fear. We're certainly seeing a very season that very much looks like that now. And I think so often we have been kind of caught in asking, well, God, what are you doing here? Well, what's the government doing here? What's Dr. Fauci doing here? <laughs> Whatever. And, and it's not that that's a wrong question to ask, but let's not get stuck on that question, because maybe the question that God for, has for us is, what are we doing? Meaning, how are we responding? How are we taking advantage of this opportunity to, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to, to provide an answer, to provide comfort, to address some of those felt needs, and to do it one by one to those right around us. There's so many relationships that have come under so so much stress right now. And, uh, you know, if we, ha- if we have it together in our relationship on the vertical plane, God is going to help lead us through making sure the relationships on the horizontal plane will work. But, but maybe first and foremost, we need to pause for a minute, look up, ask the important questions of ourselves to where we stand in our relationship with Christ, dive deeper into God's Word, and then just go back and, and as we were saying before, use the formula that Christ himself modeled, that the disciples used, that brought us 2,000 years later to where we are today, and that is that each one reach one, be a good disciple, make disciples, and watch God use his Word to literally revolutionize the entire world around us. It's absolutely true, and I think again, Scripture is filled, and and I think that what it, this time and this season has also done is it's caused us to lean into the Word um, and really take God at His at His Word. You know, when He says, "Be anxious for nothing," you know, when everything's going fine and and we're on top of it, it's like, yeah, that yeah, I'm not anxious for anything. But now, when all of the all of the pins have been knocked out and all the legs on the stool seem to be gone and we're kind of falling flat. It's, it's quite a challenge. Uh, I know for me personally, and I know it is for many, many people. Um, and when I look at just the number of, of messages I've heard and articles I've read on anxiety and, and just uh, all around it, just to really learn what that is to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares about you, you know? So I think the, the positive out of this is, that God has given the opportunity for the church um, to experience. You know, we can't offer something we don't already have. We can't give away salvation if we don't have, you know, uh, if we're not born again. Um, In the same way, it's like I think the church is really causing us to press in, to lean in, and to develop an intimacy that perhaps we would not have had, uh, at least opportunity for it, um, had we not gone through what we're going through right now. Our conversation today with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at the Hill Vallejo. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation with Pastor Scott Peterson, Senior Pastor at the Hill Vallejo. 
Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just prior to the break. Interesting how God has a way of sort of stripping back everything, laying everything bare, and where suddenly in human nature we lean on our bank account, our job, our wisdom, all of these things, and suddenly nobody can figure it out. People are struggling economically. The The economy on Wall Street might be great, but Main Street is suffering horrifically. And in all of that to say, well, where do we turn? What do we do? When we run out of self to suddenly now be centered back again and, and, and to hear that Holy Spirit say, I need you to come back to me. I need you to focus on me. I need you to dive into my word. And in doing so, I mean, ultimately, that's all we really have to lean on anyway, right? Right. And then then combine that not only with the personal aspect, but then again, get back to this idea of of community, this idea of finding people that um, we can walk with through this. You know, we all have that. We all have that, that. We have everything in common. You know, we're all facing the same uh, pretty much the same um, problems and the same challenges. And so, you know, I really feel like it's enabled the church to draw closer together and uh, and just to be able to walk arm in arm through this with the Holy Spirit and find um, God's leadership and his provision in ways that perhaps we've never experienced before. Let's pivot and talk a bit about what God has been doing there at the Hill Vallejo. I, I noticed that there's a very diverse community, to be sure, as you suggested earlier, Pastor, but also much diversity in terms of you have outreach programs and ministry and engagement. You've got a Celebrate Recovery program. You're engaged in youth outreach, children's outreach. There seems to be pretty much literally something for everyone at the Hill. Spend a moment, if you would, and kind of give us a little bit of a, a glimpse underneath that tent of what all is going on within your body of believers there in Vallejo. Well, sure. Uh, our our vision statement is uh, building followers of Jesus in every generation. And so that's what we're committed to, um, certainly to diversity, but also the diversity in age groups. We see ourselves as a multi-generational church. And so uh, starting with the nursery all the way up to the elderly, uh, we uh, want to provide a, an environment, give opportunity for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus and, and find fellowship with one another. And so again, um, being limited by the uh, restrictions uh, over the last couple of years due to the pandemic, um, we've always tried a way to, to find ways to uh, keep uh, the opportunities out there and provide people, even if it's just been online, you know, for, uh, you know, many months we were uh, doing children's ministry online you know, we were, our, our team would come in and like many churches, this is nothing new, but you know, like many churches, we would just try to provide programming for, for kids so that they could stay connected. They could be involved and, and for adults and through, you know, different groups. But yeah, we, we, um, we, uh, do offer something for every age group. We have, uh, THD kids, which is our preschool and elementary age group. Um, we, um, staff that and also for our THV students which is uh, junior high and high school um, offer single adult groups um, and then our our our, uh, our emphasis also on community groups um, really believing that if people are going to grow uh, that they have to have a connection they have to have a connection we just don't we just don't grow by ourselves. We, we have to be challenged. We have to be encouraged. We have to be accountable. 
And, uh, you know, and then the other thing is we, people need fun. And so we look for ways we, we have people that just, just love to have fun. And so they're trying to create opportunities where people just get together and, and, uh, you know, and just have a good time with one another, uh, which, which is great because it's sort of like, the, you know, just a release, you, you know, get away from all this and let's just have fun. And, uh, you know, socially distant if need be, but, uh, you know, have fun nonetheless. Well, and I think that's a good picture, too, because sometimes people think that the, the church is all about being serious, somber, dour. <laughs> we certainly have plenty of examples of that out there. But, you know, life is somber and dour enough on a day-to-day basis. Just ask anybody who's ever gotten out of bed on a Monday morning, right? <laughs> right. So to have a sense of, of, of celebrating this gift that God has given us. And in spite of the challenges in the pandemic, it is still a tremendous gift that we have been given to be able to experience life and be able to engage with each other and have that sense of belonging and community and ultimately to be able to celebrate this gift that God has shared. So we, we have a, we have a men's fishing group. We have a group of guys that uh, goes down to, goes down Well, they go to different locations, but they'll go down say to the Carquinez Straits and they'll spend Saturday morning uh, fishing together. And then, you know, that, that, you know, fishing, what do you do? You talk when you fish, you know, and you eat. So they'll bring the barbecue out there and they'll barbecue while they're fishing. And, and uh, you know, it just pro- pro- provides a great opportunity for uh, the men to fellowship. There's um, others that like to hike. And so they'll find different locations or bike, you know, they'll get their bikes out, they'll go find a trail and they'll, they'll spend the day doing that. And so, you know, uh, just looking for ways to, uh, to enjoy God's creation enjoy each other's fellowship and ultimately what it does is it just helps build up one another in the faith and to become not only experienced fishers of fish, but ultimately fishers of men. You knew I was going to go there. I had to go there. (laughs) Pastor Peterson, it sounds like this has been an amazing journey for you. Uh, Take me back, if you would. You came out here, as you mentioned, with your wife, Betsy, in 1990 to take over the congregation. You had been in the Midwest prior to that? Yeah. um, So we were originally from Minnesota. We moved... uh, I've got a whole uh, story about how God moved us to Nebraska, but ultimately we, uh, we spent 11 years in Western Nebraska and I had the opportunity with some other people to um, uh, build a Christian radio station, KCMI um, back in, in 1981. And we operated that until actually 1986 when we moved out here. Um, and I worked at a Christian television station here in the Bay Area for a couple of years and then joined the staff uh, at, at the Hill of Leo um, back in 1988 as a senior associate pastor. And then subsequently, when the senior pastor took uh, another role in a different church. You must have been over with Ron House at Channel 42, I'm guessing. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ron and Connie. And uh, yeah, so we were there for a couple of years. And then um, once Pastor Inman left... Um, in 1990, then uh, uh, we became senior pastors and have been there now for 32 years. Sounds like an exciting and amazing journey. And, uh, you know, even with all the challenges, as much as we've been discussing here today, um, good things ahead, more challenges ahead to be sure, but every challenge an opportunity to uh, to impact the kingdom. And uh, that's exciting stuff. Folks want to find out more information about the Hill Vallejo. They're located at 210 Locust Drive in Vallejo. And you can call them at area code 707 644 
4451. They have services both in person and online, Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. and again at 11 a.m., and a whole cornucopia of other opportunities and ways in which you can get involved, plugged in, be part of the local community there, impacting Greater Vallejo for Christ. The Hill Vallejo online at thehillvallejo.com. That's thehillvallejo.com. Pastor Scott Peterson, it's been a delight to not only learn a bit about the ministry that God is doing through the Hill, but to also hear your heartbeat for the church and for the community. So thank you so much for carving out some time to be with us today. Well, it's an honor to be with you, and we too so appreciate it. And I told you before we went on air how dear, near and dear uh, ministry of radio is to my life and to uh, to me, and so I just uh, count it an honor to be with you and just wish you all the best and most success in the days ahead. If you're new to the San Francisco Bay region and in the Vallejo area and looking for a new church home, I invite you to check out The Hill Vallejo. Again, information available on the web at thehillvallejo.com. That's thehillvallejo.com, where our guest, Pastor Scott Peterson, serves as senior pastor, thehillvallejo.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.